Welcome to the Moon and You podcast. My name is Susan Hart. You are invited to sit and listen and take away from these conversations that which serves you today. It's about understanding the rhythms of your life, getting to know your inner being so intimately that when a shift occurs, your awareness evolves because when you are aware, you are in control. Welcome to the Moon in You. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is a very dear friend of over 10 years, and she has been the catalyst for my learning and continued growth in the ways of meditation and yoga. If you have already downloaded the Moon and You app, her voice is what you hear on the meditation tool within the app. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast, Angie. Welcome. Thank you, Sue. Prior to this, we were just chatting about how long we've known each other and when we actually met. And I believe it was at the Shivani Gupta event. You were looking for a singing group and I invited you to my theatre group and I was looking for meditation help. Mm, and yes. it just so happened that we were there. So how amazing is that? And here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about meditation. <laughs> the synchronicity of the universe. Oh, absolutely. So Angie, why meditation for you? What's the big attraction for you? Well, meditation for me, I guess, is the tool to help me find clarity, stillness and calm. Uh, And especially in times where we're experiencing a lot of change within the world and within ourselves, it's a tool that we can use to perhaps control the mind in the way that it helps us understand and appreciate how our habitual patterns, our tendencies of where we go with thought, the strengths and weaknesses that we have. And I quite often say to my students, just as the heart beats and the lungs breathe, the mind thinks that's its job. But it doesn't mean that we need to believe everything that it thinks. We have the capacity to choose what we connect to or what we attach to as thought form or whether we simply observe that and allow it to move through the mind. But I suppose most importantly for me, meditation is the ability to be able to shift old habitual patterns that we develop over a long period of time that are quite often unhelpful. It gives us the ability to remove obstacles that obscure our view of who we truly are and our potential of who we can be and connecting to that compassionate true self, the true nature, or or what the Buddha referred to as the Buddha nature. So meditation can be very powerful, and it means different things in different spaces. In the spiritual world, it resonates more, I guess, with the idea to guide us toward moksha or liberation. But that doesn't mean that in the secular world or the Western world, people can't access Uh, the tools, the resources of meditation to be able to help calm and still the mind and be able to, I guess, just 
move their way through the busyness of our everyday lives. Mm. Mm. Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Tibetan monk and a, um, a prolific author, tells a beautiful story of when he was looking after his niece. She came to stay with him at the monastery uh, and she was thirsty. So she asked for a glass of apple juice and it was fresh apple juice that had been made. It was sitting in the fridge and it had only just been made. So it was cloudy. And she was, you know, I don't want that. It looks dirty. I don't want that apple juice. And he said, okay, that's fine. Put it back into the fridge. And, and she ran off and played. And a little bit later, she came back and she said, oh, uncle, I'm very thirsty. Please, can I have a drink? And he said, well, there is only apple juice. That's all that I can give you. And by this stage, when he went back to the fridge and got the apple juice out, the sediment had settled towards the bottom. So the liquid was clear and she was, oh, yes, I'll have a glass of apple juice. But she also said to her uncle, oh, uncle, now I understand why you meditate so much. Because all of the sediment, the mud had settled to the bottom and the liquid had become clear. Same thing with the mind. Oh, that's so, that is brilliant. Mm. Thank Cute you. Cute little story, isn't it? I loved it when I read it. Mm. I haven't heard that before. Mm. When I first thought about meditation, it was actually from... Uh, another yoga teacher that I had when I went to my very, 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 very first yoga class it was hot yoga, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And at the end of that yoga session, I lay down in Shavasana, now that I know what that is, and I had a couple of minutes just with the cool breeze running over me. I couldn't feel my body mm. because I was so st- shocked and stunned and uh, my yoga teacher came over to me and she placed like a cross on my forehead and said, now you need to meditate. That was when I wanted to have a quest to find somebody to help me meditate. She wasn't a meditation teacher. She was a yoga teacher. I didn't go back to hot yoga for a very long time because I mm. couldn't walk for like four weeks after that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But too much, too soon. <laughs> yeah, but that's when I found you mm, and right. how the spirit leads you to the right people at the right time. Mm. You had mentioned a little bit earlier about before about how people might be able to still have meditation as part of their, their tools mm-hmm. um, but not be spiritual. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure for me I can separate it because for me meditation – bring spirituality to me. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts around that? Well, I guess meditation is known as many different things in our world these days. And there's many different methods and techniques, state of mind, state of being. From the perspective that you're talking about in regard to spirit, for a lot of people, it does begin that quest, perhaps um, upon their spiritual path. Uh, But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be spiritual to uh, enjoy meditation or even begin to investigate the benefits of meditation. Traditionally, meditation was where a verse was given to a seeker from, say, um, um, a sacred text uh, by their guru, by their teacher, uh, and they were asked to meditate on that verse for a period of time uh, with the intention for that to bring clarity and calmness to their mind so it could help them along their spiritual journey. 
But these days, meditation has come from that Eastern influence into the Western world, forms a very large part of our modern psychology practices. It's part of CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy. Um, You may have heard of mindfulness um, Mm. and its practices within that space. It's becoming quite uh, a well-known term in the Western world now. And a lot of the mindfulness is is based on, on meditation techniques, of course. There are many different techniques, many different styles. So meditation can mean different things to different people. I remember uh, Ram Das uh, speaking of a time when he was presenting and there was a, a woman sitting in the front of the audience crocheting uh, and he noticed her and, and had a bit of a conversation with her about that. So for her, crocheting was her thing that got her into that Uh, state of absorption to help give her clarity and and calmness. That was her thing. So in the modern day, in the modern world, for a lot of people in in the Western world, it could be that thing that you do, whether it's painting or singing, crocheting, macrame, whatever it might be, colouring in mandalas, that gives you the opportunity to find a sense of spaciousness in the mind where we're not consumed by that busyness, by that activity mm. constantly you know, banging on, um, as the Buddha called it, the drunken monkey, the busy mm. mind. Mm. Yeah, so you certainly don't need to be spiritual or have spiritual aspirations to appreciate and benefit from meditation practices. When uh, I was a child, Angie, I played the guitar. And I'm now 54 this year, in a couple of months. And I decided to go back to playing the guitar. Really, I used to finger pick and I used to do really beautiful, beautiful work. And I used to meditate and write songs and sing to God because my father was a religious man and he taught me to pray. Mm. And he used to always give me a prayer, and it says, this is how I heard it as a child, okay? God bless Mummy, God bless Daddy, God bless Sharon, God bless Stephen, God bless Nan and Papa, make Susie good girl, amen. Now, because my mother didn't have any teeth, and she had false teeth, and neither did my grandmother, she had false teeth, I thought he said, God bless. Oh. <laughs> Nice, okay. Their name were Gobless in my perception as a six-year-old, like Gobless. And I'd go, Gobless, mummy, because I'm thinking, yeah, they're Gobless, whatever that meant. And then when I realised that he said God, God bless, God bless, it opened up a whole world. Mm. I mean, what? I was very fortunate. My father was very generous with his understanding. He was a Presbyterian. He didn't go to church, but he believed that the power of prayer was important mm. to instill in me. So I, would, I went out and learnt all this stuff by myself and I started playing the guitar and writing songs and I remember playing the guitar and then I would just come up with this most amazing poetry and that became such a healing thing for me. Mm, yes. I mean, everybody's childhood's different. We all have bad days and good days. And in the, my bad days, I would go to my guitar and I would pray. So I'm going back to that and I'm trying to have meditation through my singing and my guitar playing. And it has been 
really good. Mm. You know, when you had mentioned before about you can use anything for that, it's mm. it's good. Prayer and meditation to me are very close. Although when I was a young teenager, I thought that prayer became more like a butler service. Dear God, please make the sun shine. Dear God, please make it rain. Dear God, please make it. Dear God, I want, I want. And suddenly mm. it became this big I want fest. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not that at all for me anymore. No, no. So that's why this prayer and meditation are very closely linked mm. for me. Mm. Listeners who really don't know where to start in meditation, how can people prepare for meditation? Mm. That's a really good question. And I guess a lot of people have either approached meditation or yoga from a beginner's perspective and perhaps had an experience a bit like yourself when you went to hot yoga and and sort of went, whoa, okay. Um, That may not have been exactly what you were expecting at that time. Uh, I think certainly to find perhaps a good teacher or a person who can guide you well uh, is a great place to start to at least give you some of the foundational practices that will help introduce you to the practice and give you some starting tips that really helps to make a difference. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard someone say to me, oh, I just can't meditate. No, that's, I'm, I'm too busy to meditate. I, I can't get my mind to settle to I meditate. I think I've said that to you a few times. <laughs> yes. Um, and exactly that's why we should meditate. Um, but certainly, yeah, finding, finding a great teacher, taking it in small steps to begin with as well. Um, I think to have an expectation to sit down and be able to meditate straight away for an hour is completely unreasonable. Um, We need to find a certain sense of cultivating an environment both mentally and physically that's going to support our practice. So finding uh, a nice uh, quiet space which is dedicated to your meditation so it can feel like a bit of a sacred space or a sanctuary for you is a really good place to start. If you have family around you, that kind of thing, a bit of an understanding that perhaps when you enter that space, uh, that they honour and recognise that you're in there for your amount of time, whatever that may be, and that that is your dedicated space for your practice. A sense of comfort within the body as well, obviously, is very important. Not a lot of people can sit comfortably cross-legged on the floor uh, like a yogi Mm. for long periods of time. And look, there is no necessity to be able to sit like that. Um, You can sit in a chair, you can sit on some sort of supports if you wish, Traditionally and and generally we like people to remain in a seated position for meditation so that the spine is straight and that's said to be able to assist in the energy shifting through the body, through the meridians of the body, uh, but also assists in staying conscious and awake. Often in this day and age, many people are sleep deprived. So we find that if they lie down in meditation, they'll quite quickly fall asleep. If the meditation is for relaxation purposes and you're aiming for that for someone, perfectly fine. But if you're looking at meditation more for the sense of calming the mind, finding that sense of clarity and stillness and working towards 
uh, perhaps um, gaining that as a, a more natural state for your mind to be in, then falling asleep isn't really going to support that. Yeah, so definitely finding comfort uh, in the way that you sit. And that's where yoga can help as well. Uh, perhaps just some gentle movement to open the hips, open the spine, open the shoulders, find a little bit of spaciousness within the body before sitting down can certainly help. And that's one of the reasons that yoga itself came into being, um, that it was in preparation for the body to sit for longer periods in meditation rather than uh, it being a practice in itself. Mm. I agree. When I mentioned before about hot yoga when I finished and I was in Shavasana my body was so I was numb to the point where it was so blissful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my mind was completely blank Mm -hmm. and for the briefest amount of time all I could sense was the breeze on my skin and of course my yoga teacher doing the sign of the cross Mm -hmm. but it was good speaking of teachers who was your teacher or who are your teachers um, it's, it's interesting, actually. Initially, I don't think I really had a teacher as such. Uh, I explored many different uh, techniques and styles, different methods, um, played around with quite a few different types of meditations um, and discovered what resonated well with me and, and what worked well for me. And in doing that, I discovered that different things work at different times as well. So it gave me the ability to begin to tune in a little more to myself and to my needs at the time, a greater awareness of body-mind, if you like, in that when I feel a bit more distracted and agitated, I often choose to use a moving meditation and whether that be just with the hands moving through different mudras or whether that actually be a walking meditation or something like that, uh, it can certainly help having that extra layer of something to focus on. So I guess the, all, the whole idea around meditation is, is uh, one point of focus, that you give the mind something to focus on so that it's not, you know, twittering off into all of these different avenues of thought <laughs> uh, and creating all of these yes. stories as we're wonderful in doing. So adding that extra layer of movement plus breath um, and having that concentration can certainly assist in quietening the mind and then uh, working into a more subtle method. Uh, so a lot of my teachers come from different traditions as well. Thich Nhat Hanh has been a huge influence for me in terms of the mindfulness traditions. Um, so a lot of Buddhist te- techniques have come from that space for me. Uh, Ram Das has been mm. uh, another uh, beautiful teacher. Uh, Jack Cornfield, uh, he also has a Buddhist influence. Um, Sharon Salzberg has been brilliant. Um, and a lot of my current teachers, so Ginny Clark and Hanuman Das of Living Peace Yoga, uh, which is my school that I take my classes at. So that's that's where I do my classes with yoga uh, to continue my journey uh, and evolution. Uh, and also Dr. Ganesh Mohan um, from Swasta Yoga has been a, a very big influence and, and his parents as well. Uh, and then, of course, some of the more traditional teachers, 
BKS Iyengar, uh, also Krishnamacharya, who is considered the father of modern yoga uh, that taught uh, Dr. Ganesh's father uh, and Ganesh then himself actually uh, learnt those techniques from his father, which was direct from uh, Krishnamacharya. So for me, it's a beautiful connection Mm -hmm. in terms of that tradition of of yoga, that it has come from a traditional source in India and it resonates very much in terms for me in regard to that a school of yoga, if you like. Mm. Mm. It's very deep teaching, rich, Mm. very rich. Thanks, Angie. I have three last questions for you. But before I ask them, I'd like to honour another teacher of mine. Her name is Elena Brower. And the questions I'm going to be asking you have been inspired by her. And on her Practice You podcast, she asks very similar questions, if not almost the same. So... Dear listeners, if you haven't already found Elena Brower, I suggest you head on over to her podcast and check her out. Question number one. What is your highest hope for this moment in time? I think it would be that uh, each of us can find a sense of ease and acceptance uh, with where we are right now. Uh, We're moving through a very distinctive period of change in the way that we live our lives and interact with our world. And I think Dr Wayne Dwyer summed it up beautifully with his simple words, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And we may find sometimes that if we actually take a step back and look at things with fresh eyes, our view becomes wider, our perception broadens, and new horizons might actually appear. So I'm not saying by any means that any of this is easy, nothing worthwhile, I believe, ever is, but a simple shift in our mindset can liberate us from unhelpful patterns that often can cloud our view. Oh, that is just beautiful. Thank you so much. Very well said. Very well said. Yes, I love Dr Wayne Dwyer. He was Mm. one of my very first books that I've read, mm. Power of Intentions, mm. amazing stuff. Nice, yeah, yes. pretty amazing. Well, he was actually the inspiration for some classes that I've taught recently. Of um, which I was attending, yes. Yeah. And I, as soon as you said that, I thought, your song that you wrote. Yes, absolutely, was oh. also inspired by this quote. Oh, my gosh, mm. that is, well, that was a beautiful song. Thank you, thank mm. you, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, like Angie, we spoke before about prayer and meditation. So Mm -hmm. for you then, what is prayer or spirit to you? What does that mean for you? It's a really interesting question. And uh, I think at this point in time, given where I am on my journey, um, spirit represents a continual path of learning, growth and evolution. Um, And as I talked about before, it helps us begin to diminish the accumulated habits that anchor us in suffering. So spirit for me is my connection that I have to what for me is the divine that allows me to connect with that space that I think where we are all one. So in building that deeper connection with spirit, we work toward unveiling the wisdom and compassion of our true selves And uh, like the dance of the seven veils, 
we steadily remove those layers of conditioning, mm. as I was talking about before, until we can consistently connect with the clarity of mind and openness of heart so we can be true to that compassionate being that I think is innate in all of us. Mm. Mm. Oh, definitely. I, I love that idea of you take away one layer and then you see, oh, my goodness, look at that. I don't really need that and I don't need that. I've been working over this COVID period a lot of anger issues that I have. This is very personal, I know, but I think that being menopausal or being actually passing through menopause, there's an accumulation of anger that can happen because of all the bodily changes that are happening within me, hot flushes in particular, when you get really hot and heated and somebody asks you a question and you look at them and you think, I don't, we just get out of it. So how can I stay calm and, and kind and compassionate when my body is going through so many changes? Well, of course, diet, yoga, meditation, they all help with uh, menopause. But at the end of the day, you'll still have to transition. And transitioning through the gate can be very difficult. But that's one of the things about, I love what you said about spirit, how it helps you to understand your evolution of, of your spirit and I feel as if I'm maturing as I get it. My spirit is maturing. Mm. So when I'm in a hot flush, I can take a deep breath and then let it go and then do what I need to do in a calm manner. Yes, just be exactly where you are in that moment yep. without the desire for the things to be different, different. in yes. any other way. Yes. And it too will pass. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, mm, I love that. Mm. Final question, my friend. What is your favourite view? That can be anything. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be anything you like. Beautiful. Well, uh, one that I continue to return to is the concept that was introduced to me by the teaching of Ram Das, who I referred to a little bit earlier, seeing people with the same non-judgment as we do trees. <laughs> Mm. So one of his quotes, um, which is beautiful, and I'll read it out to you if mm. you don't mind. When you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. And some of them are bent, some of them are straight, and some of them are evergreens, some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it. You see why it is the way it is. And you sort of understand that it didn't get enough light and so it turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. The minute you get near humans, <laughs> you lose all that. Yeah, you and do. you are constantly saying, you are to this or I'm to that. And judgment, the judgment mind comes in. And so I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. Angie, that's so good. It's gorgeous, isn't it? That yeah. is so good. Yeah. I just love that. A lot of my trees lately have been old and gnarled, <laughs> but I'm moving through that. <laughs> but it's so true. You go outside and you look around. If you're walking down the street and you see someone coming towards you with a pack of dogs, you know, and they're all over the place, I immediately go, I immediately judge that person going, get those mm. dogs off the street. What are they doing on the pavement? What about their paws? What about this? I'm thinking, and I judge them. So, I mean, they may all be rescued mm. and that's all she's got. And I'm thinking, why can't I be kind and go up to her and say, do you need a hand? Mm. But I mm. know. Oh, or just simply in your mind saying you're doing a great job. Yeah. 
everyone that you see, you're doing a great job. Because at the end of the day, we're all doing the best that we can Mm. with where we are right now. Angie, that's exactly right. And that's one of the four agreements. The last agreement is do the best you can. Mm. The first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Mm. Number two is don't take anything personally. Number three, never assume anything. And number four is do the very best you can. Right, nice. Oh, every time I'm with you, I learn something new. Truly, I just love you so much, Angie. Thank you. Can I invite you to lead our listeners or close off with a beautiful meditation? Certainly. I'd love to. Thank It'd be you. an honour. So, dear listeners, I'm going to leave it at that and I'm going to let you just listen and vibe to this woman's voice and her meditation. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Angie. Thanks, Sue. So take a moment now to find a comfortable seat wherever you are. Take a moment to just check in with your being. Whatever it is that you bring emotionally, physically, energetically, come as you are, be as you are. Allow the spine to feel a sense of being easily tall. Take a slow, smooth inhale. As you exhale, allow the shoulders to relax away from the ears. Feel a sense of softening across the forehead. Allow the jaw to relax, the teeth to separate. And allow that softness to transfer from the jaw to the neck, down to the shoulders, the upper body down into the hips, allow the buttocks, the thighs to settle and relax, the lower legs, the feet. As the body begins to settle a little deeper into this moment. Perhaps turning your attention to your breath. Noticing the quality of your breath. The pattern of your breath. Without a sense of judgment or expectation. Just allowing the breath to flow easily in easily out of the body, beginning to tune in to the natural rhythm of your breath, and as you settle into the rhythm of your natural breath, perhaps begin to notice where you're feeling that breath the most. 
whether it be at the nostrils, perhaps just at the back of your throat. Maybe you notice it more within the chest or the belly, a gentle expansion as you inhale and contraction as you exhale. Just notice where the breath is most prominent in your body today and invite your awareness to rest in that space. Appreciating the inhale and the sensations that come with the breath. Allowing each exhale to bring a deeper sense of softness and ease to the tissues of the body. Releasing the busyness of the mind. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. And if the mind becomes distracted, by thought, gently guide it back towards the breath and simply begin again, anchoring your focus at the nostrils, the throat, the chest or the belly, following the breath as you slowly breathe in. Slowly breathe out. Continuing to observe the breath attitude of kindness and gentleness. If you have the time, perhaps remaining in your meditation for a few more moments. If it's time to return to your day, to gently invite your awareness towards the environment around you and allow your inner awareness to reconnect with that environment, inviting the inner experience, perhaps a sense of stillness and calm, to walk back with you into your day. body, where it is positioned, the weight of the body in your chair, where the body may be touching the supports, 
some gentle movement into fingers and toes. And as you feel ready, gently blinking the eyes open, keeping a downcast gaze as you integrate your practice and slowly come back into your day, a gentle smile upon your lips.